Oscar Poker. sensing a vibe are you doing all right with this whole inner thing i got very upset about it but i um so i just said fuck it i'm gonna dump, I'm gonna dump the whole thing but the 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 core of it what i was feeling was that uh because god damn it people wouldn't stop linking to this stupid ass thing mm. a, a four four word uh four words in a tweet and i become this pariah you know fuck you all i did was say you know what I said based upon reactions. If I had said the words, um, uh, you know, over 40 industry women, you know, something like that, but, but uh, you know, because I was doing it quickly and I, I guess I just should have deleted the tweet, but I didn't mean all women. I meant the women that I was hearing from. Oh, I, I know. My, my usual strategy, and I would suggest this to you too, is to just blank them out, you know. Um, don't even check. Don't even read. I, I go and I wait two days and then I go back on Twitter and I start reading responses to things. people Because it calms down. It only lasts like a day or two of outrage. And yeah, right. if you read what people are saying, it can be, I mean, I know because I got retweeted by Michael Moore a couple of times and mm -hmm. the stuff they say to him is like, you wouldn't believe it's the worst stuff you could ever say to anybody. And he just blanks them out. He never even reads the responses. And mm -hmm. so that's mm -hmm. what I do when I, I get into it. Oh, I actually got... I got in a little bit of a tangle with the tweet of God guy who has like millions of followers and he retweeted my tweet. And I don't even know who the tweet of God is. He's just some guy who pretends to be God on Twitter as a joke and he's got tons of Oh, I've followers. seen that. Wait a minute, I take it back. Yes, I do. I know. Yeah. yeah. So he got mad at me and he tweeted something that I wrote and, and then all of his followers attacked me and I just was like, oh, time to go off of Twitter. Mm -hmm. So when you do something like that, just go right off of Twitter. You know, don't even um, read the stuff. People. I feel like it's, uh, I don't want to hide and, 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 and run into a closet and shut the door. I, I don't, uh, I think I think I have to deal with whatever is going on out there. It's yeah, very I do too, upsetting. except for... It gets me, it gets me so enraged because these people are, well, I mean, you, I've never felt, really honestly, you've been through your adventures and your rough and tumble as, as I have, but I've never, all my life, felt such loathing for people. As I have since Twitter became what it is. I mean, no, I, no. I feel so yeah. disgusted at the at the uh, one note, relentless pounding of, of of shit and piss and vile, just pouring into your soul. You know, over only and if over, you read over. it. Only if you read it. I mean, you can avoid it too. The thing about that kind of stuff is the only thing that was a problem with what you did was that it got out and it started being written about on regular outlets otherwise it stays on twitter it's a stupid outrage for one day and then it goes away that's usually picked up in three london newspapers it was in the guardian it was in the daily mail it was in i mean there's the detroit film new all these people that are dispensing news you know picked up on i it. know i thought that was crazy like that's news really that's what they're going to take up time with mm -hmm. with all that's going on with humankind headed for extinction this is mm -hmm. what they choose to talk about that's like anyway, oh. it seemed to me that there was enough people that are so disgusted and ready to slit my throat that I thought that the uh, conversation was like, you know, fuck you. We are going to see this movie and see it to the end and we're going to like it and fuck you, too. You know, that's what yeah. it was going to be on that level. And I thought, well, that's interesting. At least that's something that seems to be happening. It's not it doesn't stop. People won't give it up. There's something going on here. So I thought, OK, well. You know, the, before three days, two days ago, the Revenant was—I don't know what it was—but it was not looking great for Academy. Maybe you know, I, I saw it as basically uh, a <clears throat> Inritu fan, uh, people that are uh, uh, admirers of great 
pictorial cinema in the, in the Chivo uh, tradition. You know, people like that. But other than that, it wasn't going to make that much money. And it's not going to, you know. But now it sort of has something else. Now it had a lot of people determined to see it and, and to tell their friends and, you know, to, that, on that level. So that's why I was the basis of my saying, well, you know, this isn't so bad in, in a certain light. But then I was, I, would know I was an asshole again for being egocentric. And, you know, fuck you, it. You know, I just you got hear... so fucking sick of everything. Oh, I know. I know. I, I mean, I understand. I've been there. Uh, I think you're right that women will go see it where they might not have before because um, they'll feel like they got to prove something to themselves. But you're absolutely right that, I mean, I couldn't explain it to people because I was trying to say, like, I was there. I know what happened. I said to Jeff right after the screening that I couldn't recommend it to any female in my family. And that's only because I know the women in my family are weird about animal murder. You know, they're just they can't handle it. And they, I, so I know my sister will never see that movie. My mom will never see that movie. And yeah. I'm sorry that it sounds sexist, but the truth is, I'm sorry to say that I would probably recommend it to men over women just in general because of that, you know? Well, um, I think you need to be you know, taken to the gallows and uh, have your hands tied behind your back and lynched right now. No, I know. You have, you have For just giving an opinion. Well, sin. I'm sorry, but there it's true. There is no genders anymore. Everything is... You know, uh, non-binary. We're all fluid. You know, I'm you. You're me. I could have an affair with your brother. I could, uh, you know, I could maybe, uh, you know, have a relationship with your mother. Anybody can do anything. You know. Well, but you know, my um, look, you know. I on on Facebook, Melissa Silverstein had written on one of her, you know, who runs Women in Hollywood. She wrote, mm-hmm. "I won't be seeing The Revenant." And I wrote in the comments, I said, <laughs> "Why? Because of the violence, or because it's an all-male cast?" And she said, "Both." You know, mm-hmm. and that was before the whole thing blew up. Um, but, you know, I, she, I'm sure she wouldn't own that. I'm sure no woman would own the fact that, mm-hmm. I mean, yes, you can't say every single woman. You can't say every single man. There are going to be men who aren't going to like it. There are going to be women like Tomris who right. loves it. Tomris said how much she loved it. She just mm-hmm. loved the movie, you know. Right, right. So it's obviously not going to be everybody. But you're talking more about like a, a, a broader sort of idea of, you know, women are going to be turned off by a film that has an all-male cast and that is really violent and is violent towards animals. Like, it's, it's kind of a no-brainer. I'm sorry if it sounds sexist, but I can speak for my gender and say, generally speaking, mm-hmm. with, you know, a 20% exception, that that's probably going to be the case for women. I'm, you know... What are you going to do? It's like there are some movies that men won't see. You know, you got to say, well, forget men seeing that movie. You know, you understand there's a whole dictatorial, Stalinist, fascistic cabal out there that will really come after you if you say anything like that. I'm used to it. I've done really stupid things and I wake up and I think I can't face this fucking Internet another day. (laughs) And I know that I could be quiet and nice and always get along with everybody and never say anything controversial and do probably just fine. Mm -hmm. But that's just not my personality and it's not your personality, you know? Um, Does your four words, forget women seeing this, mean anything? I mean, is it really the most criminal thing to say? I don't think so. You wouldn't, you would have thought so based upon what I was reading over the last two days. Yeah, but like I say, I try to... Absolutely horrible. I try to blank them. And this is with the immediate, within three hours, mea culpa that I posted. You mean directed at you on Twitter, just specifically? Yes. Or, oh... This guy needs to be gutted, and his entrails need to be fed to wolves. It's on that level. God. But not disgusting people. People that are just full of, you know, my life is so fucked up and so wanting, and I hate everything. So here's a chance to give it to somebody else in spades, in triplicate. And that's what, I don't know, you know, it's just a lot of miserable, fucked up people out there. Really. But but it's also like this weird sort of... um, misdirected rage like for instance the why should they care if that's your opinion that's your opinion people give their opinions on twitter all day long you know why is it such a it's uh, it was it was used as a symbol of of unregenerate 20th century sexism right right and that's i think that's how people feel that they're being activists in the modern culture is they yeah. They're clicktivists. You know, they yeah. think that if they have a, a big fit on Twitter one day, that's going to change anything. Mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. It's not. 
It's not real activism. It's just... Well, it does change things. There are people that are terrified of saying anything that steps out of what they perceive to be the, uh, the, the, the current accepted politically correct uh, uh, dialogue that you're supposed right. to say. I was speaking to Eric Cohn and Ann Hornaday in Key West about... Uh, I said to them, we were talking about uh, gender fluidity and how people don't like to be non... You know, non. I was making a joke about the non-binary term that was used by the people that were upset <clears throat> about uh, Ben Stiller's Zoolander 2 film, and particularly uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's uh, transgender character. And they said, "This here you are making fun of a transgender character. This is the last thing we need." You know, these are we're, and, and they they don't use the word androgynous, but androgen androgenine. Uh, that I used uh, non-binary. I said, "This is like space, per you know, space alien talk." You know what? What? What is the? You know, I hate to bust your uh, bubbles, guy, but they said, "Well, you know, I mean, you, you don't you don't use terms like non-binary. You don't, uh, you know." I said, "Well, is that a problem? Because I don't feel the need to use this term like binary or non-binary in terms of sexuality." But I could I could feel on the ground. These guys had studied and were very careful because they have. To you know, maintain a certain okayness as far as who they are, what they think, and and it was a, they were really scared. I mean, well, they yeah, really yeah. had been schooled. You have to, to you, you definitely have to make that decision what you're going to do going forward because, this is the way the Tumblr way the kids at my daughter's school like the future, mm -hmm. is going to be in that direction. I don't know where it's going to go if it's going to ever reach a breaking point, but you're either going to have to be one of those people that goes along with it or one of those people who completely rejects it. Well, if you reject it, you're going to end up in the weird, like Dennis Miller, Armin White territory of like, completely. No, I don't want to be that one of those people. Yeah. I, you're going to be completely marginalized. But, the, but, and as I was saying to them, listen, we, we, I don't ever think about labeling anybody. I mean, I, and if they tell me that they're, transgender, then I just say, well, what's your day like? I mean, I'm not going to try and ever get into, into a contentious, challenging, diminishing attitude about anybody, ever. And, yeah. But the fact is, the fact is, I mean, to, to call the entire human race cisgender, except for 3.8% of the people who are in the LGBT, we started talking about it because it's not LGBT, but LGBTQ. Q. Right. And, and Q apparently is not, doesn't stand for queer. It means questioning. Right. So that means you're, uh, gee, maybe I'm not necessarily cisgender. Maybe well, I am honestly, open to. Honestly, uh, kind <laughs> of only moving in one direction. And there might be a time, like 50, 100 years from now, where there is, everybody is sort of gender neutral, that there is no specific gender. So especially if we don't need gender to reproduce. If we do all of our reproducing in a lab, yeah. we're not going to need to be specific sexes in order to attract and reproduce, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. so um anyway let's do this what do you want to talk about today i think what we just did for the last 12 minutes is uh was fascinating do you want to keep that on there or is it just more shitstorm why would it be more shitstorm how can it get any fucking worse <laughs> so are people still writing you and stuff or have they just let it cool off there are people it's not they're so fucking stupid that it takes them two to three days to even catch this thing. And oh. then they just read the four words, and then they have their little blah, blah, and then oh, their I little see. vomiting oh. on, the, on the page. And it just keeps going. It doesn't stop. Right. I mean, it eventually tires out, I guess. You know, maybe it'll tire out this weekend. But there well, are like waves and waves, stupids, and then the stupiders, I and just, then the really you know, stupids. Honestly, you know. Jeff, it's just sort of like this weird inadvertent effect you have. Because when you sort of said that thing about Amy Schumer, it caused this kind of weird reactive action that sort of I think was responsible for a lot of her career upswing. Like I think that people felt sort of like they had this is the this is the strategy practiced by really, really good Oscar pun um um Oscar publicists who are really good at like, you know, certain ones that we know that handle certain movies, they, they start a fake controversy because a lot of times a movie heading into Oscar season, if it has no controversy, it's too bland to vote for. But if you create a kind of a controversy, people feel defensive of it and they want to def um, vote for it. Like, um, uh, the artist had no controversy until the Kim Novak thing came up and all of a sudden people were, that's ridiculous. I love the artist, you know, or this year. Tell was, me what she said again about the artist. She said it I think was, she said he was like using Hitchcock's something or other. And 
Oh, she used the music. They used the music from Vertigo. Right. Not the artist, per se. She was saying she resented and felt it was wrong to steal the music from Vertigo. Right. But it turned and into it this was... semi-big thing. It was the only controversy that the movie saw. And then now Spotlight has one, but a very tiny one that doesn't even mean anything. But some reporter at the Boston Globe wrote something about how it was inaccurate to his character. But it's sort of like those kind of controversies are sometimes really good for movies because, or, you know, for anything or anyone, I really do think that that helped Amy Schumer mm -hmm. um, to sort of rise at a time when, uh, you know, without that controversy, people wouldn't have been talking about her just like with the Revenant without this con controversy, people aren't going to be talking about the Revenant and what a smart way to get it out there that it's violent and to challenge people with, you're too much of a pussy to be able to watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> And people are going to go, wait, I'm going to watch that movie. And it's going to make like a ton of guys say or whatever, you know, anybody who wants to see a really violent movie, they might've thought it was just a boring, sad survivalist movie and the out in the snow. Yeah. And now they know it's something hardcore and brutal and, and they're going to want to go see it. So you, you kind of inadvertently created a must see. <laughs> a must -see. That's what I was trying to say, but I sounded like <laughs> a complete asshole in doing it. So this is why I took the piece down. Right, right. Well, what did Inaritu say? Did he ever write back? I think he's too smart to get in the middle of something like this. He's, yeah, he's, he doesn't want it posted on your site. He's not stupid. <laughs> he, he senses that it's a tinderbox thing. But he, anybody, Cynthia Schwartz, anybody who will tell you that it's better for it to be talked about in some specific way. Now it has something that has currency. Right. <clears throat> other than just, what the, what the fuck does Revenant mean? Most people have no fucking clue what that word Right, is. or it's just Oscar bait, you know, boring Oscar bait. But now they know it's sort of edgy and dark and, and yeah. very extremely violent. And uh, Yeah. Um, I don't know. what. Who, what Besides the poor horse that goes over the cliff, who, what animals get treated? I mean, they, they, they hunt Wait, a bear. I can't believe that. I have to take the horse. Although that's in the trailer, the horse going off the cliff. Um, the uh... Spoiler alert for about two minutes. Uh, well, the bear gets killed, of course, because but that's before the bear nearly kills him. Uh, do they kill something else in the movie? Does... Um, yeah, that guy shoots the horse in the head. They, they oh, I forgot about that. The uh, buffalo get the buffalo gets killed, and and, and by the, the wolves, right? And the wolves are set on fire, and you know, for me, yeah. the hard the hard thing to watch was the yeah. mom bear with her two cubs, because I was rooting for the bear. Mm. Not Leo. And I, I'm starting to get resentful of Leo's life being saved and all these other animals having to sacrifice their lives. I'm, I'm either going to put a spoiler warning on this or cut it out because people yeah. will kill yeah. us if we put this right. in there. They'll just kill us. It was mm. bad enough last time. <laughs> but um... Spoiler alert ended. Well, <laughs> let's ask uh, just rhetorically since we're both going to see... Um... Can we say this, or are people going to get resentful if they know that they're not invited? Uh, I mean, I didn't want to say that I'm actually going to see Joy this weekend, and should 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 we not acknowledge that because it'll just make life hell for Susan Ciccone and people at Fox? Or I don't know. I already said on Twitter that I was going on Saturday. Okay. So it's out there. So I, think I mean, you did you ask, by the way, to be included on that? No, they, they actually just invited me to that, weirdly enough. I was surprised when I went to look to see what time it was that it was the Saturday mm -hmm. one. And I got to bring a guest, so I'm going to bring Emma. I think they okay. figure I'm probably the target audience for this, you know, because I'm female mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I love her. I love Jennifer Lawrence. I'm excited. Sure, um, me too. I'm excited about seeing Joy because I, I just, I, I would love a movie w about Jennifer Lawrence. It sounds so like, you know, female, but it's true. I like, she's always the supporting player and I always think she's the best thing about every movie she's in. And I can't wait to see a movie that's all her. That's something I'm really looking forward to. You're, I don't want to get into an argument about Silver Linings playbook, but she was not a supporting player in that. She was the co-lead along with Bradley Cooper. And yeah, was, I know, but it was still more about him than about her, and I would like that. I mean, he was a fine character. The movie was about him, and, and I understand that. That's fine. It needed to be about him, and she she had her own trajectory, too, And you know, but I just would like the movie uh, to have been about her character. It's more interesting to me. But, um, you know, I'm not going to lay the sexism thing on David O. Russell because he has some of the best female characters of any director in any movie, and Flirting with Disaster, for instance... Um, I, I thought that was wonderful. 
he's love got, that. He's got, he writes great women. Mm-hmm. He's good with women. Uh, you know, the fighter has great female characters. He's not a sexist director. Yeah. He, that can't be his. I mean, yeah. you can't lay that on him at all. Right. So I would never say that about Silver Linings. It's just my own personal interest is that I like mm-hmm. a care. You know, I like Jennifer Lawrence so much. Mm-hmm. I would like to have seen more of her in that movie. That's all. Well, if you um, let's put it this way, as I was trying to say yesterday, if you accept <clears throat> that there's probably, even though there's not universal passion, the, the strongest consensus seems to be um, that it's spotlight more so than The Martian, which I think is silly. It's even in the best picture conversation, but it is. I mean, if you're going to have a populist movie in the best picture this year's best picture conversation, it should be Creed because that's that's a very um, I felt that there was more honesty and less calculation. I felt, obviously, they're just trying to make a good Rocky film, but it was very, uh, it caught a hold of a spirit in somewhere about the halfway mark when he starts to get going with the training and the the kids from the neighborhood are kind of, you know, rolling along with him on their scooters as he runs. And I just got a kind of a really great, you know, Philadelphia hood vibe from that mm, scene. Me too. That's yeah. a, a Creed is going to be one of my favorite movies of the year. Yeah. Um, the weird thing about it is it's coming out late in the season, so that's why it's harder for it to build momentum, but it very well might take some heat off the Martian. Um, I, I don't even know. Like, we're at a, I just looked back at Guru's... Wait a minute. Why do you consider November, mid-November late, quote-unquote? Well, why is that given, late? Well, because for Oscar, it's late. Um, I don't know why. I cannot Because give people you... are not able to rouse themselves to I pay think attention it's, to I a think movie it's, No, it's not that. It's not that. It's, it's what does it take to build a consensus? What does it take to get thousands of people, let's say 6,000 people in the Academy... Around six thousand in the producers guild. There's a hundred thousand. You what you mean is that most of the people that do the voting on these things are in slumber. They're like bears. They hibernate and they they, don't they wake do up until, the most until of them. late November and they go. Oh, the screeners are here. Okay, now after so, yeah. So when people say people last, say, oh yeah, it played really well at the Academy. I always think, yeah, mm-hmm. that's like two percent of the entire voting Academy saw that movie at that screening. Most of them. Most of them are going to wait. Somebody like Alejandro Inarritu isn't going to be spending his time walking around going to movies. He's going to get the screeners. He's going to watch the ones he thinks he's heard of are good. Mm-hmm. He's not going to watch every movie. He's going to watch the ones that maybe was nominated for a Golden Globe or maybe got a National Board of Review Award yeah. or he heard it was good from so-and-so or his friend directed it. You know, right. Right. Those are the reasons. These guys are way too busy, most of them. And mm. The ones who aren't busy are too fucking lazy and tired to sit there and put in every movie. You know, they don't want to watch a lot of these movies. A lot of them are torturous to watch. <laughs> I, I respectfully think they have no interest in keeping up with movies at all for most of the year. I don't know what they do with their lives. They're, the they're just are... used to being handheld. They're used to people saying, which they do every year, we're part of this. Mm-hmm. Here's a pile of movies to watch. Pick which one of these movies that you like. For instance, Ex Machina. Great movie, right? Completely yeah, out of the conversation. I've watched yeah. it a couple of times on Netflix. It has no mm-hmm. buzz. It didn't even make sight and sound stupid list. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely not going to get any... But but I tell you something, of all the movies I saw this year, that's the one I bet you that in 10 years people are going to be talking about. It's just it doesn't build a consensus because it doesn't have any buzz around it for some weird reason. Um, part of that is publicist-driven, part of it's blogger-driven, us, mm-hmm. what we're talking mm-hmm. about, and then the awards, which start Tuesday with the National Board of Review and the New York Film Critics right after. That's Tuesday, okay? So this is how fast you have to lay this shit down. Um, Creed... Wait a minute, when, I, when are the New York Film Critics again? I, I thought it was two or three days after National Board Yeah, I think, yeah, let me see, let me read it for you. It's... Um, National Board of Review, December 1st. New York Film Critics, December 2nd. The SAG deadline is December 7th. So Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Golden Globe nominations due December 7th. AFI, okay, AFI, American Film Institute, top 10 of the year, are announcing December mm-hmm. 7th. Like, that's mm-hmm. how fast all this shit starts to, mm-hmm. to take hold. So if, any movie that's coming out later, like, for instance... Joy, The Revenant, and Hateful Eight, those, that's why they're going to struggle because they don't have time to build word of mouth. They don't have time to build consensus unless they're one of those movies like Slumdog Millionaire that mm-hmm. you can just put anybody down in front of and they're going to go, wow, that's the best movie I've ever seen this year. And you know it's... You know I, didn't, it's I didn't feel that way. I know, but 
that season, that's how people were feeling. And it, it was the kind of movie that it didn't really matter when it came out. It was just a matter of, did I see that movie? Did I love it? Yes, I love it. But if they come out of Telluride, they have the advantage of hitting and then having any kind of controversy. And then if they, if they manage to make it from September all the way down to voting, then you know you've got like a solid contender. Because this is your old theory about it has to be a fall festival movie. Well, look at how it's coming this year, right? Do you think any of these movies are going to win Best Picture that are coming out? Maybe. Which it could, one? It could conceivably be Joy, conceivably. Conceivably Joy, but I'm sorry to say as good as it is, it's not going to be The Revenant, and it's not going to probably not going to be Hateful Eight. They're just too violent for the Academy. I, and people... I heard a general reaction to Hateful Eight from a mutual friend of ours. And uh, at best, I would say he was uh, respectful of the things that it does well. He did appreciate the cinematography, but <clears throat> he was not uh, doing handstands or cartwheels at all in his in his attitude about it. Oh, really? Well, that's interesting. Um, yeah. I heard from one person that it was, you know, beautiful to look at, like some of the best cinematography you've ever seen. Sure. So what you yeah. have is heading mm. into the season, you have two movies by two directors that are set in the snow um, that have mm. incredible cinematography and that are really extremely brutally violent. Yeah. According to my friend, Jennifer Jason Leigh gets beaten to shit in Django. By Kurt, Kurt Russell and beats the hell out of her. It, it was uh, indicated in that stage version last year. And after we fell in love with her in Anomalies... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna watch her get beaten to shit in the hateful eight. You so, know, and I'll tell you, he doesn't have to. He's it's it's really perverse. It's bizarre. Why is this guy feel the need to to beat on her? She's a prisoner. You know, she's not uh, threatening people. It's, it's it's like it's so, fetish. It's gonna be fetish. It's gonna be thought of as fetishistic. It's yeah, gonna yeah. be something like violence for fe Whereas mm -hmm. with the Revenant, that's not the case. I mean, I think he makes a really beautiful point in that movie about violence of humankind and of mankind and especially that brutal overtaking of territory from the native americans i mean back around 1820 that was a very yeah. very tough time i really uh, i really appreciated his message in that movie and that's the thing about the revenant that i absolutely love i'm, I'm, I'm not down on the movie at all um mm -hmm. when i say it's violent you know, like Thomas was saying to me on Facebook, she was saying, well, you know, things were like that back then. I was like, I know they were, <laughs> mm -hmm. of course they were, you know, but, um, but the problem with violence towards animals for me is that it just shuts off a switch and it's hard for me to get myself out of that funk when I see mm -hmm. it. It's just so upsetting. Like it can ruin my whole day. If I see one thing on Facebook about an abused dog or something like I just, I love animals and I really hate and resent the fact that humankind, Homo sapiens, have wiped out all the most of the large land mammals. And so, yes, it's true. Yeah. We're terrible, yeah. but it's hard to watch. Just period. So my my theory was, uh, despite your uh, general way of looking at things, is that I don't think there's anything <clears throat> that is strong out there that is yet to be seen, except for joy. And it, it so it's kind of spotlight versus joy if it turns out to be right. really good. If it does, it's not going to be hateful. It's, it's Star Wars is going to be very uh, successful, obviously, mm. and it's uh, it could be uh, Creed. Uh, you know, I could see that. I don't see I it as too. being formidable enough to be regarded as a, a truly a best picture type. But it's really good. It's really well liked. I and think I, that would be so funny. If this, this is why I think it would be funny. I don't think it's going to win. I think if it had come out <laughs> earlier and if the WB was more strongly behind it, they they've been sort of more behind Black Mass. But if they were yeah. more firmly behind it and it got the kind of reviews, I think one of the reasons it's getting such great reviews is because it came from behind and people were underestimating it going in, so their expectations were low. Yeah. And then when they thought, oh, it's just going to be some dumb Rocky movie, and then they were genuinely surprised that the movie works outside their whole Rocky thing. Like, it would work just if they were just two characters. It doesn't even yes. have to be dependent upon. Mm -hmm. It's just really exciting to watch. It's a really good movie, but it would be so funny. Mm -hmm. If it beats Spotlight, because then you have a matchup of like Taxi Drive or um, All the President's Men versus <laughs> Rocky in 1976. <laughs> That's funny. Wouldn't that be funny if you have The Revenant and you have Spotlight and you have mm -hmm. Creed and you have, mm -hmm. you know, a couple of other really serious movies and then you have, <laughs> you mm -hmm. have Creed beating all of them just like Rocky did. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be so funny. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think that's going a bit overboard. I'm, I'm kind of trying to keep my expectations in check on that because I don't think that ultimately 
it's, a, it's a, one of the best formula boxing movies I've seen. You know, I was very happy with it, and I felt it really. The the girlfriend stuff, I didn't know what to do with that. That was okay, but I, did you feel that that was really even? I mean, sure, they they fell in love, they fell out of love, they got, or rather, they fell apart, they got back together. Was it all any of it really necessary? Well, I liked it. I liked her. I mean, I think it would have been more generic if her performance hadn't been so interesting. Like she was an interesting character with her hearing loss and. Mm-hmm. her singing mm-hmm. like she she was exciting to watch and so that's yeah. why i was glad she was on there plus you have to have a love story if you're doing a rocky movie remember adrian okay. what a great love story that was but it's such a mean movie adrian's brother i think that guy is that he throws the turkey out the window that she spent all day cooking or something mm-hmm. like he's so mm-hmm. mean to her it's terrible yeah. Yeah. But she's a great character and when you know the end adrian rocky scene is so great like you mm-hmm. can't you have to have it in there. If you, they took it out, I think that would be too, that wouldn't be good. When I saw it at the AMC Century 15 on Wednesday, is it the night before it opened? It opened it open Wednesday, so I saw it Tuesday night, I guess, whatever it was. Um, you were in I, my hood. Were you in Burbank? No, no, the AMC in, uh, in West, the Westfield Shopping Plaza in Century City, the AMC oh, okay. Century 15. Um, and, and people clapped when... Uh, People actually cheered, or not cheered, but they they were enthusiastically clapped when Stallone suddenly showed up. Yeah, and I thought that he had spent his shot his wad. That I, I thought that he was just you know fairly over, you know. Uh, but but uh, they were really happy to see him. Yeah. And and when the the uh, the score by Ludwig Göransson uh, Gar- is his name, which I think mm. it was one of the most exceptional. Uh, conventional, you know, kind of, uh, you know, feel the feel the feel the heart, feel the emotion scores. Gorenson, Ludwig Yeah, Gorenson. without only... ever really going over the top, yeah. you know, yeah. he kept it in check, which I loved. You know mm. what it is? Is it, mm. this suddenly hit me the other day? I was thinking, what was it about Stallone? Well, it's it's actually uh, the same thing that's happening with Harrison Ford in um, Star Wars. It's this. It's the nostalgia for the original, mm-hmm. and that thought led me to movies are over as we know it. Because basically we're the last gasp of people who loved movies like this. Mm-hmm. Behind us is a whole a couple of generations who don't give a shit, and who will not know who Sylvester Stallone is or Harrison Ford is in these are in the movie. They won't feel that same nostalgia that we feel. They're mm-hmm. going to be on to these, you know, whatever other ways that they define movie going. But I feel like this is sort of a the last gasp of the seventies era, you know. Yeah. Um, but anyway. It's nice to see Stallone as Rocky. He's such a, he's just such a great character to watch in Creed. He's so gentle and thoughtful and, you know, old and just sort of sweet natured. And mm-hmm. you're just not expecting that, you know? And yeah. that's, I think, one yeah. of the reasons. And it's just such a sweet movie, ultimately. And the relationship between them, how he calls him Unk, you know, it's so cute. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a nice. winner to me. I, I, that's a really great movie. And I'd be happy to see it do really well. Do you Even think it's it, going to be a Best Picture nomination? I have yes no, no idea. I don't Why not? know. You just went on a bit about how it really is affecting, and it's quite, you know, it's not a, it's it's formula. It's it's following all the beats that you expect it to do, so it's not exactly reinventing anything. And I think we all expect that uh, a Best Picture contender would be something uh, that is, uh, you know, going a little further than what uh, other mm. films have. It's sort of, you know, carved out its own uh, shape and its own, belief system and something that's kind of the, the, the new thing you know it's, and this is not a need, new thing this no is a re- it's gonna need to be you know our weird friend that academy guy we always reference what's his name i was arguing with at that panel oh yeah uh-huh it's got to appeal to him and if he likes it then it might has a chance um it has to be enough people's top five and i just don't feel like it has any advocates like i don't feel like the wb is really pushing it that hard and um they haven't shown any enthusiasm that i've detected for uh, Creed, all the way up the, the line, they just they didn't put it into the festival. They just opened it. You know, it was like okay. I know it wasn't. Nobody got invited to the premiere. It wasn't treated like an Oscar. It's almost as though they didn't think it even had a chance at all at being. And now here it is. It's making money. It got an A Cinema Score. It's getting great reviews. It would be. So that really set, tells you a lot about their perceptions, doesn't it? Uh, you know, much of a ground level. Hey, hold on, fellas. We've got something special here. Not probably right. not one. Person. Well, I tell you something. The Oscar blogger that writes that story—that's going to be pretty important. Like I haven't written it. No one's written it. People have been talking about it. Plenty of people come up to me and say, "Hey, what's going on with Creed? Why aren't they pushing it harder?" And I say, "I don't know." Hmm. But um, 
you know, people ask me that question all the time. And I know that they bought ads. I know that there are Creed ads coming around, but, yeah. um, but yeah. I don't, I don't feel like they thought, I, I kind of feel like the way it's been advertised and that they were thinking it was going to be more of a niche movie, sort of a, you know, yeah. for black audiences or Rocky fans or genre and nobody would take it seriously that it was a you know, it was kind of an interesting sort of yeah. take on the sequel. Like it, I mean, you can't really define what Creed is. Like nobody's ever done anything like it before. Nobody yes, can. It's a commercial follow. The, no, but no the one's ever taken. Yeah. Yeah. No one Fine. that I can think of has ever taken a character like uh, Ryan Coogler's dad loved Rocky too. And he watched Rocky too all the time because of Apollo Creed. Apollo Creed was one of his role models, one of his heroes. And he mm-hmm. made his kid and his wife watch it over and over and over again. And it was mm-hmm. like one of the things that saved their family from, you know, from all the hard times. And so when Ryan Coogler decided to make this Rocky update, he took, the script to Sylvester Stallone before he made Fruitvale Station. Mm. And he said, this is my Rocky story. What do you think? And Sylvester Stallone said, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so, but good luck, you know. Mm. And then he made Fruitvale Station and Sylvester Stallone made his last Rocky movie. And then he came back to him with the script and he said, you know what, let's do it. And they just went for it. Mm. And it's an odd thing. Like no one, I don't think anyone has ever grown up under a movie, taken a character from a movie and been moved to write a whole new screenplay about that character and put them in a different storyline, like now with a, a, a you know a black boxer, a young kid. It's mm-hmm. just it's just never really been done before. It's so interesting. Mm-hmm. But I think that for the studio, they might think, well, it could go either way. People could say, oh, that's so stupid, and not take it seriously, or they could be like you know you and me and say, wow, that's a really good movie. Mm-hmm. It's worthy mm-hmm. of consideration, even though it comes from the Rocky franchise. You mm-hmm. know. Well, what? Can, let's just get uh, down to the joy. If that is uh, the consensus at the end of the the press screenings, actually do not do not begin until f- uh, next Wednesday. Actually, uh, to my knowledge, at least what I was sent, and there's like five or four of them, five of them between Wednesday and Friday, and, and there'll be a consensus uh, clearly. But at the end of that, if the consensus is that it's um, you know, it's 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 uh, you know strong and. And, and noteworthy and uh, and definitely, you know, got that David O. Russell charge, but maybe not quite a best picture thing or it's, you know, not it doesn't quite have that, that chemistry, that combination. Then what are we left with? If, if, it, if it doesn't, I'm not saying if it's going to fizzle, but if it kind of doesn't really cut the ice and a lot of people, what's 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 left? What's where I, I are feel we? like we're in a I mean, I agree with you that it's spotlight versus something else. <laughs> And it could just be spotlight and that's that and it's over Mm. and done with and everybody's going to pick that movie and it'll win and there'll be no other bumps along the way. It's possible that that's the way it was, but I feel like, and I hate to say this because I jinx myself and I'm always wrong, so don't Mm -hmm. listen to me, but I feel like spotlight's kind of like boyhood. It's sort of like, um, it's sort of right there as the one people are thinking, but it just doesn't have that. Push. Yeah, it does. It does. The people aren't sensitive enough to pick up on it. Yeah, this but a, that's not how you get a consensus vote is if people are sensitive enough. It can't it can't be equivocal. It can't be equivocal. It has to be, you know, Birdman. Either, either you are able to feel the compassion and the fear and the concern for children in that movie or there's something It doesn't wrong matter. With you still feel that way, but you're going to vote for something else. Like for instance, Birdman gained momentum because people said, "Boyhood's going to win, but I love Birdman and I'm voting for Birdman." You know, uh-huh. that's yeah. why it won. And, you know, if people as, a, as a anti-boyhood pushback. And I think if, if we head into the race as people thinking <laughs> Spotlight's going to win, then they're going to go, yeah, Spotlight's a good movie, but I really loved <laughs> something oh, else. God, Fill in the blank, the Creed or oh, The Martian God. or whatever else, you know. <laughs> I'm just saying that's how unpredictable this season is. You're right that we don't know. I mean, we know the only one we can be sure about is Spotlight. That's the only one. I feel like every movie is vulnerable. People keep saying, oh, yeah, Carol's a slam dunk. I don't think it is. Like, I, I mean, I'm worried about Carol getting in and Brooklyn, like Room. I mean, who knows if any of these movies are going to get nominated? We don't know. So it's all sort of your best guess. Did you look at the Gurus of Gold that they just put out? Uh, no, I didn't. I mean, within the last day or so? Yeah, let me just read you what they say. I checked in on the Gurus, and I checked in on Gold Derby to see what the top ten. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Gurus has Spotlight, The Martian, The Revenant at number three. Mm-hmm. Scott Feinberg's still predicting The Revenant for Best Picture. 
Okay. Um, Room, Brooklyn, Bridge of Spies, Carol, Joy, Steve Jobs, Inside Out. Like, I don't feel certain of any of those movies. <laughs> but um, I have Creed. At... Well, look, look at Poland's Re- uh, Revenant rating. He puts it down to 10. Oh, wow. And uh, you have it at 7. I think we all know what that means. And others have it at 5 or 6. I, I have it around 5 or 6 myself. But... Uh... I, you know what? I, I rethought it. And I kind of put it at number three on my site. And I, I don't think that um, one of the reasons I think it has a good chance of getting in is because I think it's going to be a lot of number one. It's going to be people's number one movie, and that's going to help it get a lot of nominations. Mm-hmm. The reason I don't think it can win is because I think it'll be just a little too off-putting. For instance, if you're sitting home up in Aspen with your family and they say put on a screener, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the well, Revenant. Every, every single scene in that movie, every shot is just beautiful. Uh, it's devastating. And yeah. and Leo's performance, I think, actually carries you through because you care what happens to him. Yeah. And so you want to watch to see how it plays out. You, you're invested. I mean, I was invested in his story and really moved by some of the scenes. It, it's sort of a movie for me that had to sort of percolate in my thoughts a little bit. I, giving it a snap judgment is, is not a good idea. It's definitely a movie that requires thought and a second viewing and stuff like that to fully appreciate i'm certainly going to see it again fairly soon yeah uh what did you um what was your interpretation now this is not a spoiler before i say this it's not a spoiler spoiler alert for two and a half minutes but at the very end of the film uh leo breaks the fourth wall and looks at the camera the Mm. that is a way of saying what in your opinion we don't know if he's living or dying right? His horses are way back up on the top of the hill. You can't get back to his horses. He's facing, well, the Indians, they just killed Tom Hardy, right? Didn't they? Yeah. And they, and they looked at him and they didn't do anything to him because the woman whom he had saved from being raped by the other guy was with those Indians. So she had told them, well, he's okay. He saved me. Right, right, right. That, that, that was what I took from it. There she is, you know? I just think it's so beautiful. I mean, I wish I could, I really feel frustrated that they didn't let us write reviews because I would love to write about this movie because that to me says what what I think Alejandro is getting at which is he's he's standing there he's he's representative of like a compassionate white man he's not a horrible Tom Hardy type mm-hmm. he's not just ready to take and kill and take the land for himself he has he has he's he's has a relationship with the land and with the Native Americans and and we know what direction it went in but at that moment, it could it might have gone in a different direction. He's kind of looking out at us, going, "This was the moment, you know, when we could have turned everything around, yeah. but we didn't." So, and spoiler alert. So you have Martian at number one. You really want that Martian to, to it's win? It's not that I want it to win. It's just that I think it. I, and you know, I don't know for sure. Here's my thinking: Steve Pond just switched from spotlight to the martian and ann thompson did, uh-huh. no wait and ann thompson did the opposite she switched from the martian to spotlight oh, my thinking is spotlight seems like the front runner but i just i have a hard time imagining a, a thousands of people rallying behind spotlight it's just really hard for me to find that they have the impetus to vote i don't you know you're not going to hear a lot of people going oh my god have you seen spotlight you know like birdman was that movie last year i didn't really relate to it and i didn't think it was going to win but it certainly had people saying that kind of stuff. And, and I don't feel that with The Martian as much. People appreciate it. They think it's a great movie. But, um, but I need to hear a little bit more enthusiasm for it before I say, yes, Spotlight's going to win. But it probably, I mean, it could win. Who knows? What do I know? Mm. So The Martian, I don't know. It's sci-fi. They don't pick sci-fi. You know, it's, it's not serious. But it's the one movie that I saw, other than Creed, which is another movie like that where you walk out of it just feeling really good and optimistic and hopeful. And I think I if felt you're... better at Creed than I did at The Martian. I, I understood that The Martian was very well done. I was very, very, very satisfied. I was happy with it. It was good. But I felt more with Creed. And if they're going to make one of those movies to be one of the top two or three, I would like to see Creed. I, I'd like to see both of them. And I'd be perfectly fine over the moon happy if Creed won Best Picture, believe me. But, mm. um, you know, Peter Bart and guys like that, they all love The Martian, too. And the other mm. factor is Ridley Scott. He never won an Oscar. He didn't win one for um, Gladiator. He, you know, Steven Soderbergh won that year, and Ang Lee won the Director's Guild, and Gladiator won Best <clears throat> Picture. And that was the when I the first year I started writing about the Oscars was that year, 2000. <laughs> it's been so long. When I, 
you know, when I came, when I came out of the Martian screening at Roy Thompson Hall in Toronto, and if someone had said to me, Jeff, I just wanted to tell you, I'm from, I'm coming to you from January of 2016. You don't have to believe me, but believe me, I'm an emissary from January 2016, <laughs> and I'm telling you the truth. Martian is going to win Best Picture. I would get the fuck out of here. You're kidding me. You're you're not serious. It's I, I don't even necessarily see it as having Best Picture quality, but you're saying it's going to win. Well, you know, I when when I saw. Spotlight and Telluride. When I saw it again in Toronto, I said, "This has got it. This has really got the thing." And you're you're portraying it as something that's yeah, not bad. You know, no, I think not, it's an, absolutely it, not. I think it, the problems I have with Spotlight is that number one, it's a movie about journalism. Don't say it's about journalism. It is. It's about journalism. It's about getting the story um, right. That's number one. Number two, it's it's a, outside the... That's the peripheral, peripheral story. Now, that's the the surface, the, yeah. Do you know how hard it is for an outside studio to win Best Picture? I think it's happened twice. Oh, right. We have to, we have to punish open... No, I'm not punishing it. I'm just saying the reality is that it's happened twice in 88. They don't throw big enough parties. This no, is such it's, corrupt it's actually so. three times in 88 years an outside studio has, and that was Crash... Mm -hmm. And that was um, the Hurt Locker. Hurt Locker. Yeah. And that was um, Henry V back, <laughs> way back. Um, Lawrence Olivier. Yeah, it was a British studio, and it, okay. and and the the press it caused such a huge uproar in the Academy that the Brits had beaten all the five studios that for decades after that only studios only films released by major studios would ever win Best Picture. So the Oscars are designed to to profit the studio. They're not there to. Mm -hmm. So that's an obstacle. The crash was a win nobody saw coming. It just happened. It was one of those weird things. The Hurt Locker is the only one. Mm -hmm. that was released by a major studio that had momentum heading into the race that people saw coming and that won Best Picture. Those are just too slim of odds for me to put all my chips behind one title like that. It's just I feel like The Martian has, yes, it's sci-fi. That's its only drawback. It's directed by Ridley Scott. It's a crowd pleaser. It's made $200 million. Um, but I don't feel confident that it's going to win. I really don't. I'm only putting it down there because I don't have any other option at the moment to put as number one that feels mm -hmm. real to me. But mm -hmm. even The Martian doesn't feel real. I mean, I'm perfectly willing to admit that I have no idea what's going to win Best Picture. Whereas Joy, which you in your mind believe it's coming in too late, Joy is about struggle and about uh, real... But we uh, haven't seen the, Joy. I, no, can't. I know, I know. I'm just saying if it turns out to be a really good film, right. it's got the makings of the kind of thing that people can get behind. It's, it's not Absolutely. just an entertainment. Yeah, no, it has yeah. no drawbacks that I can think of. None other than the late Breaker thing. But he's also overdue, David O. Russell. He's overdue yeah. for any case. He's never even won a screenplay Oscar, and Tarantino's won too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm definitely in David O. Russell's corner and I'd love nothing more than to walk into that joy screening and see the best picture of the year and have it win. Because okay. for many reasons, number one, it's got a female lead and they haven't had a female lead led film since Chicago. Mm -hmm. So that's great. And right. Um, right. and he's overdue. And I hear it's a really good story. And, and for a supposed year of the woman, which this has been with so many female driven stories, it would be really nice to have the best picture winner be a movie with a woman. I completely agree with that. And that would be so, very, a very happy occasion. So. Yeah. And I'm definitely am for it. So it's a funny thing is, is the Martian, the Revenant and joy are all sort of from the same studio. So they're kind mm -hmm. of competing with each other, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. <clears throat> well, um, I guess we can let it go with that. I mean, I'm, uh, You've been listening to episode 106 of Oscar Poker with Jeffrey Wells from HollywoodElsewhere.com and Sasha Stone from AwardsDaily.com. We'll be back next week with another episode. And the bumper music today was Hell by the Pains of Being Pure at Heart and Ego by B.B. Borelli. Thanks for listening. I'm 19 years old with a big ego Got holes in my pants but a sick flow Can nobody tell me I ain't real, no Cause all I'm around is fake people I got a lot of haters I'ma let them niggas say I will never be fake That ain't up for debate And I won't never, ever, ever
I'm out. 